Welcome to the Elite Team Athletics Podcast. Welcome to the Elite Team Athletics Podcast with my co-host Q and Tevin, myself Kyle Coglatori, and we got a great guest from Marquette today, Katie Young. How you doing, Katie? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate oh, thanks it. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. And you know what, Q? I know you got a real good background story on Katie. Why don't you fill us all in? Yeah, we we definitely go back. Um, we're both from Kenosha, Wisconsin, as our previous guest, Trey Waynes. And Facts. You know, I just wanted to jump into it. Were you born in Kenosha, Wisconsin? No, I'm originally born in New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. okay. I was just down out that there. Way. Mardi Gras. I mean, Fat yeah. Tuesday was just the Tuesday that passed. So that's, it was, I was there for, weird story, I was there for family reunion. Well, my mom was there for a family reunion. And they told her not to go because obviously flight risk, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But they drove down. And yeah, born in New Orleans and then shoved on back to Kenosha, Wisconsin. I love yeah. the food down there. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. my gosh. Down I, home is phenomenal. I've never been. I heard they had amazing food. Uh, definitely want to try some crawfish. That's what I did. I, they hit. They <laughs> hit, bro. Like, it's kind of scary at first when you do it, but a you lot of work, too, for not. I did it. Nah. I did it all, bro. With the eyes. I, I'm, I'm all about that life. Yeah. I, I'm ready to try it. I want to engulf in the culture. I want to see what they're about. Yeah, a lot of the seafood boil wave, I know you guys have mm. seen that. That is a complete carbon copy of New Orleans cuisine, 100%. So, get you a beignet. I did oh, yeah, a little Cafe Dumont. Facts. Oh, yeah. So, um, and then, too, nothing like Southern hospitality. Go True. down, eat good, get treated right. And hear all the crazy stories. I love the horror stories from yeah. all the buildings. Yeah. <laughs> they got all the history there. I was ready to hear about all the crazy stuff. It's some, it gets kind of creepy, but, yeah, that, too, right? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, So, growing up as a preteen in Kenosha, Wisconsin, what were some of the, the hobbies that intrigued you? Basketball. I, I, we, Q and I, uh, he's being... Humble. We went to Mahone, and the YMCA was literally down the hill from our middle school. So I would leave school. We get out at three forty-three. My memory serves That's me correct. Exact. <laughs> Real precise. Um, I've got a photographic memory. We walk down the hill and go to the Y until nine o'clock when it closed, and my mom would come pick me up. Um, winter breaks. Where were we? The Y. Um, you get out early at twelve o'clock. Go to McDonald's, and then you go to the Y. So. Just basketball. It was it was something I was passionate about, and all my friends were into it too. So if I wasn't hooping, I, I don't know what else I would be doing. You know? Very yeah. true. So, what elementary school did you go to? We're about to go back on this. <laughs> you one. were. Oh my gosh! I went to Curtis Strange, and then I got pushed up a grade and went to Roosevelt. So that was like on the other side. So none of my nobody I knew or grew up with. Um, I went to Roosevelt. So that was a it's an accelerated program I met. Rachel Jones, if you remember her, she yep. went there. She's Tremper. a Southside girl. Um, and that was pretty much it. I was there for school, and then they had a hoops team. You get to play in elementary and stuff like that. But, yeah. That's, that's, that's very ironic that you mentioned the hoops team because yeah. in grade school, I remember we had the elementary basketball the school league in the yeah. city. Mm -hmm. And I remember you playing for Roosevelt, and I was in fourth grade. You were in fifth. Yeah. And you were also on the team with playing against all – Males. Yes, 100%. I think that... You body them all? <laughs> and she was the best one on her team, which is the, the next point I wanted to make because she gave everyone, in quotes, buckets. Um, I don't know if I should be humble beast, but that is facts. <laughs> Q is not a man that he should lie, but yeah, it's. I think that growing up, a lot of girls didn't play, right? 
and 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 that's cool. And I had friends that I grew up with, and we would jump rope and we kind of do stuff outside. But when it came to playing basketball, I wanted to be better. So you play up against people that are better than you, right? Right. You get pushed around, you get shoved down, but that makes you tough. And uh, consequently, what happened is I started being better than them, and then the rest is history. So, yeah, I remember giving you guys buckets back in fifth grade <laughs> the CYC gym. Smells like um, a walk-in taco and popcorn, right? Yep, 52nd, 22nd. Yep. That's that's the, the combination for you. So, I mean, even other examples other than, you know, grade school. I remember we were playing, you know, some some outside basketball at, like, Jeremy and Joe's house, you know, yep. Calvin's house, you yep. know, my backyard, and yep. YMCA on Sundays after yep. church. You know, we just always were gym rats. And, yeah. you know, it's crazy because seeing that you were always competing against males – made you so much better than you know the girls your age the girls that were older than you yeah. do you think that was a competitive edge absolutely I think a lot of times when you're young you don't like losing right mm-hmm. but losing taught me discipline and how to get better and then I just I didn't I wasn't thinking about it in fifth sixth grade I'm not thinking okay I'm gonna be better than all the girls I'm gonna play mm-hmm. but what happens is they're better than any competition you're going to see, right? So when I'm playing TYC, when I went to middle school ball, it was easy. You know? And I think that that came from just being a hooper and being kind of entrenched and getting better. Um, But more so is just having that love for the game and saying, hey, I know I'm probably going to get pushed down. I know my shot's going to get blocked a few times, but come middle school season, I'm going to be a killer. You know what I mean? No one's going to block my shot. And then if I am playing against somebody taller, now I know what to do. I can, you know, I have those intangibles. So um, just the love for the game, being passionate about it, for sure. Certainly. So do you feel like more girls should challenge themselves by inserting themselves into a position like that where they're playing against maybe more males or mm-hmm. older competition to, you know, further their career and get better sooner? Yeah, what I see now, and I know you guys see it on the gram, yeah. their kids are getting with these trainers that have them, like, dribbling twice and then walking around a cone and then – want a floater over you know a stick or something I say go hoop go play right because you get into a game ladies gentlemen little men little boys little girls and you don't you're not playing against a stick you're not playing against a cone you're not crossing over mm-hmm. in front of those things because somebody's hands outstretch right yep. so you're setting yourselves back um I did a camp this summer with all girls camp and then the last two days we made it co-ed and my first couple days just with the girls I really wanted to introduce them to go play outside right don't encapsulate yourself with girls and only in a controlled environment because you don't get better that way right you can't control what's going on in the game you can't yeah um and I know that um boys are tougher they're stronger they'll push you down they'll do whatever they may not pick you up at first you may not get as many shots but you're getting better that way um if you're always the best you, you, you subsequently play down in your competition, right? If you've ever played a sucky yeah, team right. and your team's like, we should be killing these guys and the game's close, yeah, right? Yeah. Stuff like that happens. So um, I was really, really, really vocal about, hey, girls, go play with the boys. You'll get better that way. And we did that a lot growing up where I'm from. I know they always would have a scrimmage. And I, I think by the time I was in seventh, eighth grade, the girls' varsity, it was always begging us to scrimmage them. And it was fun because, oh, yeah. I mean, 
Dude, that, those were the best days. Like, the end of the year, and then, like, the girls' varsity team would come in, like, okay, we're going to scrimmage, and you're out here just like, I've never played basketball harder in my life than trying to get buckets against them. Well, yeah, and it's bad, too, because you already got a crush on them because they're girls you've been looking up to. Like, right. hey, and then she's it, cold. And, yeah, and then if that, and you're still, like, you're a middle school kid. You're like, well, I mean, they're still girls. I can't lose to a girl. Yeah. Like, you have that stupid bias in your head, and you're like, yeah, we're trying out here. I don't know, man. I was crushing. I wasn't even thinking about the game. That's a hundred percent what it is. I don't know if it was like half crushers or they wouldn't want to lose to a girl, but I played one on one with everybody, and I knew that they were playing their hardest, right? Yeah, because yeah. the gym's got this big window where the weights are, and then everybody's in the gym, and I'm like, all right, let's play. Oh, man. And it's close. I'm hitting shots, and they're like, "All right, now I gotta turn it up." Right. I don't want to block your shot. They're not in there blocking it, and they're you know bodying me a little bit because they don't want to lose to. I know what that is a girl, right? Yeah. But if I'm better than you, then hey, right. it is what it is. How many people show up to that to watch those? Did you have? Did you get a packed gym? Oh my god, the gym was always packed anyway. The Y was, but at the end you play, you know, one on ones and stuff like that, and people are taking their shoes off, and before they leave, they're like, "Oh, like, let me watch this. Let's see what's going on." <laughs> they so, always yeah. stuck around. And spectate to yeah, you know, for sure. last, so they can talk smack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, you ever take some money from some kids out there? No, we weren't betting yet. We were kids. We didn't have any money. I didn't have any money to bet anybody. But I knew that um, the the real money was bragging rights. So when I okay. see you the next day at the Y, what's up, loser? You know what I mean? <laughs> or at school? Yeah. Yep. You know, exactly. Catch them in the exactly. hallway. Like, yeah, remember what happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could talk about it all day, and they just got you know what I mean. Well, I don't, I, you were a girl. I didn't want to. I, I get it. I get it, right? So what was that transition from junior high where you said it was real easy? Now you're finally getting to – were you playing varsity right away? Yeah, you... so <laughs> funny story. I okay. didn't want to play varsity because our varsity coach in at Bradford High was a track coach, so okay. he made those schools <laughs> run tirelessly. <laughs> and I seen that coming in um, from your eighth grade year to your ninth grade year. They invite you to workouts and yeah. stuff like that, so you kind of get, you know – um, immersed in the team, and I seen them running. And it's a hill right across the street from our high school that's just, it's massive, and he would make them run it. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm gonna probably just play JV or something. <laughs> I don't, I'm a, you know, I'm gonna just get buckets that way, and then uh, try it out and stay for freshman because you got to do that, and then JV. And then he see me leaving. He said, "Hey, where you going?" And I'm like, uh, "I gotta go. I got homework or something." I said some type of lie, and he was like, "No, hang out." Stay around, stick around, and I end up trying out. Anyways, I, I, I told them, like, hey, I just want to play on JV. You guys got a squad. You're good. I want to play. <laughs> Made up some dummy excuse, and I had, like, 34 in my first game, like, 40 the second game, and by, like, the third or fourth game, they were like, all right, kid, you're coming up. <laughs> we were just yeah, – we, we played Bradley Tech, and we was it was just kind of, you know, it was, it was embarrassing more or less. So he said, hey, he threw me a jersey, and he said, hey, suit up with us. Did you start right away? I did end up starting, um, but it was growing pains for me. He was he was trying to refine me more mentally than physically, right? In okay. practice, I'd kill the girls, but I was a hothead. I was more Russell Westbrook than, yeah. right? Yeah. If I got fouled up, what are you doing? Call it, right? Or yeah. I was I was emotionally frustrated because I wasn't having my way as easy as I just did two weeks ago with, you know what I mean? So I'd start... And then he'd take me out and not play me in the second half and things of that nature. But uh, from yeah, from that, and when we got to the playoffs and he realized he needed me, then I played. So was he kind of like, uh, I mean, your relationship with the coach, mm -hmm. was it rocky for you then? Did you feel like he really knew what he was doing? You know, sometimes I feel like that's the hardest part with or high school uh, sports. You got a teacher who's in there just trying to make an extra 2500 You know what I mean? I don't think it, he, he, he struggled with wherewithal. I think that 
he knew what he was doing. Um, he had a daughter. There was a kind of a sense of nepotism. She was on our team, and I didn't think that she. I thought I was better than her, and, and everyone else did as well. So that Certainly. was kind of a that was kind of an issue there. Um, so it was never an issue of wherewithal. He knew what he was doing. However, um, just just trying to prove a point in that. Like, hey, I'm the coach. Yeah, I'm you're the, the coach. Player. Right. You're you're at that time. You're a 13 year old kid. You're gonna listen to me, and I'm like, no. And you were a grade younger. For your age already. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. So you graduated 17, yes. right? Yep. So you were super young. Yeah, so going to Marquette, I remember that because everybody else was signing their stuff because you're 18 or older or yeah. you're 17, your guardian's got to come. My mom was there with me signing stuff, and everybody's like, <laughs> Mom puts the Marquette hat right. on. Right, my mom, everybody's <laughs> like, why is your mom here with her? Why is I'm like, I'm 17, like, leave me alone. <laughs> so that's a, that was the whole thing, but yeah. Well, you 17 when you stepped on campus? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Damn. she's young. So I didn't turn 18 until my birthday's in June until my freshman college year going into my sophomore year. Because, I mean, Whole college gets nice. out in May. Yeah. Like, was, and I mean, like, obviously, like, you don't know any different because it's not you experienced college before. But, like, and you're killing could everybody. You, did people, like, treat you different? Like, were you, like, the baby? Were you bigger uh, or smaller than everybody else? Like, no. She's not I, small. I no, mean, I right, wasn't. She's tall. Right, I, but nobody that's playing Division One women's college basketball yeah. is, is small. We had a we had a really 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 cool senior group of girls that were motivated to get to the tourney and we did. Um, so they all looked at me as a baby, because um, you're 17. Yeah. And then, like you know when we're going through the airport and stuff mm -hmm. like that, I'd have to like stay with one of them. Um, <laughs> we would go like play St. John's or Notre Dame or UConn. Hey, Katie, make sure you're by me so that way we can get you through and stuff like that. But um, as far as on the court, no. Because I'm I'm tenacious. I'm an animal. So that baby stuff goes out the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually want to rewind because I don't want to get quite into Marquette yet. Yeah, I still cool, want to cool. talk about some of your high school stuff. Yeah. I mean, so you had kind of the the issues with the coach. Mm -hmm. Did he stay there your whole career? Was he the high school coach the whole time? No. So he left my junior year. So two years he was my coach, and then two years he wasn't. Um, and then we got Jessica Stevens. Where it was the opposite, where she let me do whatever I wanted, but she had no idea what she was doing. But and that's when you really took over your junior and senior. Yeah, because right? I was the coach, basically, right? Like how everybody says LeBron's the coach. That was really was. Well, I mean, you were all conference both years. You also led the team to two regional titles, and I believe you were also all state your senior year and averaged twenty four and nine. Yeah. I so end I mean, up being second in state behind a six six girl at Benton. I, I, that's still every time I see her, <laughs> bitter. Still sounds yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very bitter about that. I won't lie. Right? I'm like I, you can't teach height. Right. And they end up can't. winning state, so I guess they kind of have to give it to her. But yeah. So did you ever get to face off against her straight up? Um no, we never played Benton because we didn't get that far into the playoffs. But we played on a all star team together. Um, she ended up being okay, or are you still like eh, I don't like you. No, she's she's a gentle giant. Most okay. girls that are tall don't want to be tall, so they're very yeah. like coy, right? Yeah. And that's kind of you know when you're big, you're like you know awkward. So once I'm kind of about going, and I'm mm -hmm. like you know we're on the bus going up to play at Madison, and I'm like you know picking her brain and stuff like that, and she's kind of yeah. Uh, uh. Um, so <laughs> I was like after that, I'm like you know I'm she's cool. It, it's not her fault that the whoever picks all state and all that stuff, it's their fault. So I got to find those guys. And <laughs> they probably can't hoop at all anyway. So right. yeah, a bunch I, of old white I got guys. Uh, right, exactly. I remember I got screwed out of uh, player of the year, my senior year, because of, you know, some Facts. coaches' selections. You know, Facts. statistically, I did way better than the guy who won it. And yeah. it's a voting. 
Oh, yeah. So you really have no con- control. How does that over work? There's Do you know Q? All the coaches they yeah. vote on who they think should be player of the year, okay. and the guy had one more vote. Wow, that's yeah. trash. Yeah. So whatever. I mean, life that's goes on, garbage. but yeah. you know, when you deserve it, you deserve it. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing with To. Not to go off topic, but. Same deal. I mean, that dude, they screwed him out of three years. He should yeah, have been a first he, ballot Hall yeah, of Famer. He, like, he did Left him out of to top 100 players. He did more to hurt himself than he did to help himself. Dude, he was a great player. Though. He's a great player, but, like, when you're out doing crunches in your driveway talking about F League. Hey, hey, hey. You got to take that part of it out. We're not talking yeah. about right, you got to, but, but that's still, that, Everybody still does that now. That's the only thing that bothers me. He was the first one to do it. He pioneered it, so now it's okay for everybody. Pioneers got to pay the price. Now look at AB. He's crazy. Whole lot of money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about when you kind of took over as the coach, essentially. And you, mm-hmm. That's when you really started, really, really, not that you weren't coming into your own already, but really taking over. Uh, it's, I, did, I think being a leader is action, right? Yeah. So, one of the, I got a portrait in my house of, it's a leader pointing and a leader pulling the line, mm-hmm. right, being in front. So, the girls just kind of mimic what I was doing. If I was in the gym, I stayed late and shot, shots, they do it too. We make it fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were getting better. Uh, and that's also about the time where you realize, hey, like, I could probably get a scholarship if I turn it up. Um, so that was on my mind. I don't know, you know, who or any of the listeners, if they have $50,000 to go to college a year, but my parents didn't. Yeah. So that was on my mind for sure to say, hey, okay, I've got an opportunity. Um, let me put forth my best effort each and every game and practice and things of that nature and AAU circuit started to be, I mean, just lit on fire. And I started seeing coaches at my games and stuff. So realizing that I was on the radar and that was my motivation. It's like, okay, I got to get to college. I got to get to the next level. And then, you know, consequently, we all were getting better because if your leader's working really hard, then you cannot, right? Yep, yep. Shout out to the late, great Kobe Bryant. You yep. you can't blame yep. this team and not mm-hmm. work hard. Otherwise, right. you know, you know, you guys will probably watch his interviews as well. He doesn't want you to, you know. Right. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a lot of bums on some yeah. of those teams, oh right? Bobby Brown, right? <laughs> <laughs> and when you say you saw like coaches started, like college coaches started showing up to your yeah. games and stuff, do you remember the first one where you realized, like, okay, this isn't some D3 college yeah. coach, this is like the guy that I've watched on TV? Um, she wasn't there to see me, but I seen Pat Summit. And okay. for women's basketball, Tennessee was she's that it, she's the deal, yeah. was the Duke, the North Carolina. She mm-hmm. now she wasn't there to see me, but I went off like okay yeah. you know what i mean and whoever she was there to see i cooked her just so <laughs> just so you know right um how you know how life works um her son ended up being our assistant coach at marquette and i ended up being able to meet her and get a relationship with her before her untimely demise so that just worked out well but that was my motivation first but um first coach that was probably there to see me was from michigan state and so when you're going through the aau circuit was mm-hmm. that kind of the best part of your recruiting process was that what really got you out there? Do you feel like high school did? Like what? AAU for sure. High AAU. school. High school is uh, a technicality because mm-hmm. you can it, you go to whatever schools in your district. So you know if kids don't go there and you're not the best team, but with AAU, they kind of recruit kids. Hey, come play with us. Yeah. Um, Milwaukee Playground at that time was a, a, a force. They still are a force in Wisconsin as far as just getting elite players to play on their team. Didn't you play for them 2Q for a little bit? or a few tournaments. Yeah, a few tournaments. But yeah. they um, – I played – I was playing on a local team, and then they kind of see me and like, hey, you're doing yourself a disservice by not going to, 
you know, the Boo Williams tournaments, by not just staying regional. Um, so once I got that kind of call up there and the rest is history, we traveled all over and started to really kind of see what competition looked like. So then was it your junior year when you started getting talked to by Michigan State? Yes, my sophomore, summer, junior year. Yes, Sophomore, summer, okay. Yeah. They started writing, didn't get an offer, but you started getting those letters, right? Yep. You started getting all that mail. Yep. Um, and that kind of, again, you it opens your mind to the possibilities of things like, oh, I can, oh, okay. Right, it goes, yeah. kind of goes from being a dream to being yeah, reality. Yeah, for sure. We, we all kids talk about, I'm, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to play in the league, right? Yeah. I want to be a professional athlete. And then to be... Um, able to kind of see it unfolding, that's mm-hmm. kind of an exciting time. So what was that snowball effect with the other colleges? Did you start seeing them all kind of pour in after that, following suit? or? What happened is you when you go to, like, the bigger tournaments and you play against um, better players, so, for instance, uh, Rhea Hartley ended up going to UConn. She's my year. Mm-hmm. Um, we played against those guys, and, you know, Gino's there, yeah. Pat's there, all these people are there. So that game is, you know, that's a focal game at a basketball mm-hmm. tournament, right? So you just put on a show. And then from there, word of mouth travels. Let me find out more about this kid. Why haven't I heard about her when she's a freshman or a sophomore? Because some of these highly recruited kids, girls are being recruited from eighth grade, right? Right. Because mm-hmm. they're on that AAU team and because they're endorsing it. But in Kenosha, you can kind of be swallowed up. We were surrounded by so much talent, but not really – yeah, had the push or the teams exposure. or the exposure for sure, yeah. right? Um, so um, that kind of was a trickle effect. My first offer offer was actually from Cleveland State. Went out and did a visit um, my junior year, and I was just like, yeah, this is just the beginning. And I don't think the coach liked to hear that. <laughs> uh, um, it was cool. They took Being me. Honest. Yeah. Right. And they know what they know what's up before yeah. you even got to campus. It's yeah, business. they knew. Yeah. yeah, they're, they're trying kinda, to trick you. Really, is yeah. what it was. They're like, we're the first one in. What if you know what I mean? Yeah. They 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 try to sprinkle a little doubt. Well, what if you know? What if you go to this tournament and mm-hmm. you get hurt or eh, all those type of things? But you just got to bet on yourself. It was a cool visit though. I that was back when LeBron was playing in Cleveland, so I got to see a game oh. and stuff and see the big this sign. Oh yeah, yeah. Really cool. it That's was really awesome. cool. Yep. So let's keep going more on that though. So w- w- with the recruiting process, you're talking from. Cleveland, who, who sent you your first offer. Then after that, let, let's kind of go down the line. I want to, like with Q, I was talking to him. Who was selling candy in your ear? Who really convinced you, like, hey, this is a spot for me? What got you to that point? Uh, oh, my gosh. It was, it got to a point where <laughs> the, our mail started getting pushed back to the post office. because like, <laughs> Not because of the offers, but because of the, like, the, the yeah. what is that called? Where the junk mail, like the, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, we see you here. Yeah, the interest there. So, um, uh, Cleveland State was the first one, and then um, all the Wisconsin schools, UW, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, right. offered me. Um, kind of the cool ones that stand out to me. I really, 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 really wanted to go to USC, but my mom didn't want me to become a California girl. Okay. And like come back with piercings and tattoos on my faces, whatever she thought. Was that because of loving basketball, though? Was that what brought you out there? No. Cal- have you seen the campus? Like, oh, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, oh, you grew up in Wisconsin, like, yeah, who doesn't exactly. want to go live out in California exactly. for a little bit? Loopers love that movie, though. Loving basketball is like the that's, soundtrack yeah. of basketball when you're growing yeah. up. But it's also but, California. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. USC. That was, yeah. So they sent you the brochure of, like, kids eating outside and right, the palm trees, the right? Um, and then Rutgers was another one. Vivian Stringer is a phenomenal. I think she's in the Hall of Fame now, phenomenal coach, but she scared the 
daylights at me when I went on her visit because she's screaming at the girls, what's going to make you work hard? I'm like, <laughs> I'll be in Jersey, like, you know, 500 miles from my family. I can't do this one. Um, And then uh, the Gators was another one because that was back when, um, what's his name? Joe Kim Noah and those guys. Yeah, were yeah, Corey so Brewer. That, yeah, yeah, that was really cool. And they were, you know, they brought those guys around on my visit. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they just went on, right? <laughs> so that was cool. But those and, are the ones that stand out. And their women's team was good at that point, too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they, they were both, really Did they both win the – Natty in the same year or like relatively near each other? That sounds right to me. I can't quote it. That was, I mean, time flies, right? It's 2020. That was almost 10, yeah, 10 years ago now. So I don't, I don't really remember that, but it was, it was just a cool, and then too, you know, you're in Florida. Right. Palm trees again and stuff like that. So then was your mom really in your ear like, hey, Marquette? The three reasons why I went to Marquette is one, uh, proximity to my family. Yep. They could see me play games. I'm 40 minutes from home. Milwaukee is, I mean, the way I drive, 30 minutes, right? <laughs> Same. But, right? <laughs> um, two was the Big East. Big East at that time was the best basketball conference there is. So you're, yep. you're playing Villanova one night, and then St. John's, and then Maya Moore is at UConn, and then Skylar Diggins at Notre Dame, and then Georgetown. Um, and that was, you know, that was a big selling point for me. I'm playing against the best. Yeah. Um, and then my grandfather, um, who's no longer with us, God bless his soul, is a reverend, was a reverend, and he wanted me to go to a Jesuit or a basically a religious school. And I'm like, Grandpa, these are the rowdiest kids you'll ever meet. But that was important to him, that I would do something with theology and things of that nature. But really what sold me is I can go pull up on my mom. Right? Yeah. And then I'm still playing Big East, and I still yeah. kind of get that. But I can go home and do laundry on a Sunday or whatever that is. That was important to me. Rest in peace to your grandpa. Thank you. I and appreciate then, that. Uh, of course, you know, the best of both worlds. Yeah, family yeah. Family and hoops. Mm-hmm. So, you didn't only just play in the Big East. You played very well in the Big East. You kind of had a red shirt. I, I don't want to say red shirt you played, but you had a red yeah. shirt kind of first year. Mm-hmm. Then after that, you really started doing what you want. Yeah, it was, it was like if, you know, all of us are hoopers, if the game's taken away from you, you take it. Serious. Yeah, you don't take it for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, when I had my ACL tear my freshman year, that was kind of an eye opener for me being 17, um, and not having, you know, what I was, people knew me as Katie that played basketball. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't even think, well, there's other, uh, Katie's a very popular name, but Katie, the one that plays basketball, that's, that was who I was. So that year was while trying for me, it made me so much stronger because my love for the game grew stronger. I started paying attention to the details. I had to become more skilled. I couldn't rely on my athleticism as much. In my mind, I couldn't. Um, but after that, it was it was more so driving me as, hey, this was taken away from you for a year. Go kill it. Just okay. go kill. Right? Yeah, yeah. So what was that process like? I mean, most people say, you know, that everybody's trying to get to the end point. But a lot of people say, you know, there's, there's beauty in the struggle. Do you feel like that? I mean, you just said it, it helped you get to where you wanted to be but do you feel like that was your favorite year because of looking back on it what you learned from it or do you feel like I could go without that (laughs) you know what I mean like Uh, like you said it made you really it's pros and cons that was the best year for me for me not athletically because you become mentally strong yeah you're learning to walk again and I tore it in the winter well it was going it was February going into March um, and so I'm walking with, you know, crutches on ice, right, and just praying, God, please don't let me, you know, do anything to this knee again. 
Um, but really what it made me realize is that I can get through anything. I can get through anything you can, you know. I remember the first time they made me run the stadium stairs after my knee, and I'm like, man, what the heck? I just tore my ACL, right? How can I do this? Why would you freaking make me do this, right? Oh, yeah. um, so I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and the doubt just, each, you know, each one I went up just kind of crept away, like, oh. And then by the time I finished, I'm like, wow, I can do anything. You can put your mind to, right? So for me personally, it was my best year for me. Athletically, it was my worst year. I hated it. You know, and I missed the game terribly. But, but now, you know, sitting before you, I know I can do anything. I can get through anything, any obstacle. What were some of your favorite challenges beyond that? There, I mean, I, I, I believe I, I, I was talking, or I saw an interview of your mom telling you, you know, you're an athlete first. Mm-hmm. Grades are the most important thing while you're there. Mm-hmm. So, it, challenges. Marquette's a very tough school. You can't, you can't take like. I don't know. There's no like puppy petting 101. Yeah, you're it's like it's up there as far as academics go. Like kids have to get a certain ACT score to get in and things of that nature. So um at first it was time management, learning to put school and books and do all that type of stuff. That was a challenge for me initially because I'm like a Bradford is a cakewalk, right? Yeah. Who's the dude that used to sell Gardettos? Q, what was his name? Uh, and cookies. Rotors. Yeah. I'm used to taking rotors class, right? Yeah. And we're just hanging we out. Took it. Yeah, you get to <laughs> laugh Economics. at them for, right, for yeah. half the class and you get an A. And now no one's reminding me that this is due, yeah. right? Or no one's on me to do my homework. And no one's really telling me to go to class. Like, you got at 8 a.m., you don't want to go. Okay. Right? But now you're behind. Um, so academics initially were, and then I ended up being on an all-academic team, which was really important to me. Yeah, you actually had a bunch of honor rolls. Yeah, it was yeah. it was important to me because I had approval points in myself because at that time, before the whole wave of LeBron more than an athlete, mm-hmm. people were like, okay, you plan, oh, you playing the basketball team, okay. But I, I'm nothing to cough at as far as academics. I take that very seriously because I know what an athlete kind of comes off as, right? And you kind of get things easier or handed to you or get grades. And I didn't want that. I wanted to do it the right way. And I wanted to excel because having an accredited degree from Marquette says something, right? Yeah. You go into an interview, it says something. I didn't want to be like, yeah, I play basketball. Hire me, right? <laughs> so that was important to me. Um, other challenges. After that, it was kind of, once I got my groove right around my like sophomore going in my junior year of getting time management down and school and stuff like that college was one of the fir- funnest times of my life so challenges beyond my acl and like kind of getting you know academics in order acclimated yeah it was kind of like fun right you did all that stuff you realized what it took and how you had to do it and then after that it was you know you're getting to play basketball getting to travel getting to hang out with your teammates getting to meet people like you know it was fun it was really fun yeah, con- congratulations. I commend you for conquering that. Thank I you. mean, you attacked you. it. So yeah. that's awesome. I, I, You know, I guess we can get back into the hoop side of it all. I mean, you were averaging 12.4 and 8.6. You're almost averaging a double-double. They, they had me playing everything. I played every position at Marquette, and that was because of injuries from our other teammates. But I literally played point my junior year. I played shooting guard. That was my natural position. Give me the ball and shoot it. Or a wing, right? Those are two mm-hmm. interchangeable. Then I got it to be a post because one of our posts had um, a torn labrum. Okay. And they, like, kind of threw me in the power forward position. You said talked about your favorite shot earlier, right? Yep. That, like, elbow extended. That's my spot. So it, it that was probably really 
one of my favorite times because those posts can't guard me. You do a rip through, you yeah. give them kind of a, a KG shake, and they're like, you know. And essentially, it's now at that point, it's if you're playing point guard, if you're bigger than everybody, they're like, well, we got to put a bigger player on yeah. them. So they're going to be less mobile, so you can just go buy them. So your game can really just adjust to whoever's guarding you and you have your way with them either way. For sure. When they, I mean, when I was playing point, they matched me up with a girls are shorter, a 5'8 girl, and I'm bullying her, right? I'm mm-hmm. going right past her. So they'd run a, you know, run a play where I get a back screen and then I'd post, mm-hmm. all right? Um, when I'm playing against post, they drew me out because I can shoot the three ball. And go, I mean, a post doesn't know what to do out there. And on a wing, it's kind of, you know, a free-for-all. You're really just running the plays and finding your shots and things of that nature. So getting to be versatile and kind of help my team in whatever way was really, really cool. But that kind of played into me boarding and then, playing the point when you got to get back you got to be the first one back so that kind of took away and I'd be focused on that like I'm not getting enough rebounds because I'm playing point I got to get back <laughs> right so you know that all played into it well it's funny because watching your highlights I mean you banged yeah you really sure. banged I wasn't expecting that when he sent me the highlight I was like oh yeah. oh she's not afraid yeah the, the big east kind of well now it's not but that's how you started out I played my freshman year that was Maya's last year and seeing her in UConn with that jersey on and her being 6'2 and just chiseled lean, we went up for a board and she knocked me to the floor. And I don't think she, like, threw me to the floor. She, I just bounced off her body. Right? <laughs> was, she didn't. She wasn't malicious. It was no malicious intent. And then um, uh, the Rutgers girls, they we used to call them bullies because they were all, like, cut and they were feisty. They'd throw you to the ground. They'd knock you over. Um, it. The, the tr- beginning years, if I can say, was a lot like, you remember MJ when the, um, yeah. what was the Jordan oh, rules? Oh, yeah, the Jordan yeah. rules, yeah. Now, I was not Jordan, but that's how I felt. Like, I was getting knocked to the ground, and I'm like, man, I got to get stronger. Detroit Pistons out yeah, here. Yeah, I got to get stronger, because that's what the Big East was. It was a big guard. You weren't six foot. You were little. Um, so I really, really wanted to start initiating it so that when they would watch film and do a scouting session, it's like, oh, she's not a punk, so we can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Some of my mm-hmm. teammates, they try to punk them and, like, you know, jump ball, they bump them, they yeah. free throw line, they're tossing them down, not me, you know, so. Well, you say, like, getting knocked over by Maya Moore, is that yeah. kind of one of your welcome to Big East basketball moments, <laughs> or do you remember a first time where you realized this isn't like home? Uh, Yeah, that was one of them. Um... For sure, one of them. And then, two, just being in awe of Maya Moore. I don't know if you guys ever got to catch her because now she's kind of doing oh, yeah. her. She's doing law stuff now, yeah. actually, trying to help people get out of prison. For sure, doing kind of f- some philanthropy. Hey, that's all we got here in Minnesota yeah. is the links. Right. You know, so we know who Maya Moore is. Um, but really a welcome. Um, I remember I got crossed up really, really bad by this girl from Georgetown. And I, like, was never a lockdown defender, but I wasn't getting crossed. And she crossed, I mean... I did everything but fall, and that was embarrassing. <laughs> uh, uh, get my shot blocked by um, a girl from Rutgers. Like I said, they were bullies, so they would knock you down, then block your shot. Or if the ref would blow the whistle and you shoot the ball, they'd go up and throw it. So that way you couldn't even see the ball go in and kind of, you know. So just a lot of memories of being like, you know. I remember it, it correlated to being in the backyard, right, when you're playing mm-hmm. against boys and they're blocking your shot and they're throwing your stuff and they're crossing you up. But I'm like, okay, I've dealt with them. I can deal with you. You know, transitioning a little bit, too, back to the academic side, mm-hmm. you you did broadcasting as mm-hmm. a major. I did. So the, the cool thing about that whole whole deal is you actually have, or we have video of you actually interviewing your teammates. Oh, my God. So it was cool. You were running the whole interview. You yeah, had the yeah, microphone. Yeah. You are asking yeah. them questions. Mm-hmm. 
So what, I mean, we've kind of talked about it off air. Mm-hmm. Kind of give us that transition where you said, you know what, I'm not really going to go down that route, but that was something you were really passionate about going into it. Yeah, you grow up watching ESPN. Nah, 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 mm-hmm. nah, nah, nah. Those people are in your house every day. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to do that because of my personality and because of the keep me in sports, because it's kind of glamorous. I like thought that was really cool, but what you know what they don't tell you is the ugly side of it kind of the 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 journey to get to being you know Stephen A Smith oh yeah right? it's a lot of beat reporting in some yeah. small town in the yeah. middle of nowhere they send you to you know Nebraska I was telling you about that or somewhere in Iowa and then you become a weather girl and you're not getting paid and um and then eventually if you're really good they send you off somewhere else and then you'll eventually get to that stage what I didn't realize is that everyone on air is pretty old. They're in their 40s or 50s, yeah. right? So they've put their work in. They've kind yeah. of, a, you know what I mean, they've put their time in and things of that nature. And that was something that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, well, if you're good and people like you, you got a good personality, you should, you know, but. I think you would be very good at that. Thank I actually, you. I, you know, I, I think yeah, you're, you're unreal. Like, uh, Kari Champion is somebody I really like to watch. I'm sad yeah. to see her leave, but yeah. I, you remind me of that. Facts. Thank you. I yeah. Thank you. You guys are doing a great job as well, Shane. Yeah. Shout out to the I podcast, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But um, I mean, that that's it does suck. I mean, but anything though, it, nothing comes easy. Nothing worthwhile comes easy. Oh, yeah. I double majored in broadcasting and finance because um You bought that paper. Facts. <laughs> uh but because my mom was like, Well, get something to fall back on. And I'm like, Oh, okay. But I was always good with numbers you know, math and money and stuff like that. So I did that because, again, um, being a broadcaster is so much of who you know, not what you know. Well, that actually oh, yeah. has to be helping you with what you're doing now. For sure. Absolutely. Being able to speak to people. People our age don't know how to talk. They're texting, right? Yeah. Um, when's the last time you knocked on somebody's door? Did you just say, hey, I'm here? They don't have to do that weird, awkward, hey, can they come out and play? Like, these kids that are coming up after us, they'll never have to do that, that yeah. kind of introductory whatever so being able to speak eloquently mm-hmm. and to convey a message and to be kind of charismatic that's important and on camera off camera people hearing my voice mm-hmm. um that resonates so yeah communication skills unreal but i was also referring to the finance because i mean i'm jumping ahead but you're you run a car dealership yeah yeah um, so it brought you to minnesota Facts. I um, that was a blessing for sure. One of my mentors is a uh, businessman's businessman, so he had an opportunity to uh, start a store. He's got a Honda store in Wisconsin. He's got a Ford Lincoln store in Illinois. He's got a Maserati store in Florida um, and a few other stores. Um, and and I got into the car business on a complete accident. Um, I tore an ACL overseas and was just there. He you know and built a relationship and kind of, you know, worked my way up and um, had some money and was able to buy into a, a, a great opportunity. So that financial aspect helped out a lot for sure. No kidding. Well, that is awesome. I want to get into that as well. But now that you brought up your ACL and playing overseas, mm-hmm. I want to talk about that too because I know you had a WNBA opportunity. Yeah. And it, I, I want to know about all of that. Um. So long story short, before this year, the WNBA didn't get paid, yeah. right? Talk about my finance background. I want to. Where's the dollars? What's that movie? Show me the money. What is show that? Me the money. You're talking yeah. about Jerry Maguire. Yeah, we're all young. I'm like, <laughs> what I've heard. Show right? me the money. Right. So I wanted to get paid, and overseas was the best opportunity for me to do that. So, um, 
my senior year, I got invited to the WNBA Combine. I played, and we, I did really well. And one of my teammates was invited as well. Um, she ended up getting drafted, um, and I didn't. So I got to work out with the Chicago Sky and played well, did well. Yeah. It was kind of like a uh, two-way contract in the WM- or in the NBA, excuse me. Um, they don't have a G League, though, so it's no way you can kind of, you know what I mean, wait until they need you to be caught up. Um, but moreover, I started talking to the girls that were rookies and that were going to, you know what I mean, and I'm like, so what's, what do we get paid, right? Yeah. Because um, we were still getting stipends and weird stuff like that. Like, if you guys remember, they give you, like, money yeah, during yeah, the winter the break. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what? Why are they giving us this money? Per diem. Yeah, yeah, why are they giving us this money? Like, we're supposed to be. Food and housing for the night. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what is this? So um, pocket that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? In college, that was, I mean, I'd stack it up. But anyway, um, so I found out what we made, and, and that was just disheartening for me. Because I'm like. Anyway, I got a call from my then agent, who um, is still one of you know a good resource for me in, in business, and he said, "Hey, Katie, you're gonna make three times that overseas if you're willing." Yeah. And that's my that was my cross to bear because I realized no, I won't be for the Chicago Sky and kind of right up the street in WNBA, but. Mm-hmm. I'll be able to make some money and travel yeah. the world at this age and kind of say that I did that. Um, when people talk about overseas, they like kind of dumb it down, but there's some hoopers over there for yeah. sure. And for women, every woman plays overseas. Everyone. Yeah. From, yeah, Maya yeah. Moore, Diana Taurasi, um, Brittany Griner, they all play overseas because of the money. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's Actually, a lot of them get paid more than the guys. Facts. Yeah. So you got, just for instance, um, so if I would have got my rookie contract, would have been like something crazy, like $60,000. Overseas, I got paid three times that. Yeah. And at 21, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm gone. Yeah, I see six figures. I'm like, all right, I'm, you know what I mean? And then you have the opportunity to build up. You kind of play in different leagues. If you go from Euro Cup into playing in different countries, obviously that pay increases. But as a rookie, they're kind of going off what they've seen in college. Mm -hmm. They don't know yet. So um, I was just really excited to get started and call myself a pro and, um, and kind of do that. And, you know, while my mom was apprehensive, I don't want you going way over there. Uh, <laughs> Tell she that did. to my bank account. Man. Right. <laughs> right. When we did our taxes the next year, she was like, all right, well, <laughs> you know. So that was that was a really, really, really cool thing um, to be able to travel and kind of, you know, learn different languages and not be fluent, but kind of, you know, understand that America's not the center of everything. So You played at the Czech Republic, right? Played in the Czech Republic, played in Australia, played in Finland, which I hated, and played in Barcelona. So you probably, I mean, this is me being biased, yeah. and I don't know all those places because I haven't been to them all, but I'd probably be Barcelona and Australia, probably my favorite spots. Oh, out of the facts. Four. Yeah, you're not biased. No. Okay, okay. It's anywhere <laughs> with warm weather, like I right. can't, we're in Minnesota right now, yeah. and like spring's coming, like when it's 40 degrees, I'm like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, there. Um, so anytime with warm weather, Barcelona is 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 a phenomenal city. Um, they love to practice their their English with you. Um, you kind of alluded to your friend who plays at the CFL. Yeah, you Mar- played in the, yeah, yeah, Marcus played over there. He j- actually just won a championship with uh, in Perth. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really really cool. New Zealand's a cool place. I've never been, but I've just kind of heard about how it correlates with Australia. And yeah, it's the same dynamic, but um, just getting kind of that stardom feel. I would be at 
let's call it cub over there. And they're like, KD, give me your other life. And I'm there for like fruit loops or something. Um, I'll never forget walking to the stadium and there was a, a, a let's call it a poster, um, the size of this building yeah. up on the thing because we're going into the Euro Cup and just seeing myself and being like, dang, I did that. And I hurry and put it on like Snapchat and Instagram. I'm like, this is weird. You got to. Right. Um, but yeah, and, and, and it's just different. It's a different um, way to play in Europe. Um, they like smoke in the arena. It's like, it's different from the U.S. and they they got like gates up because people get really rowdy and they'll shake that and it gets really loud. But it was such a fun time. I really I really enjoyed myself. Do you feel or I want to get into the rigors too? What was the difference of when you were here playing mm-hmm. for the team in Chicago mm-hmm. to playing over there? Was was it very similar schedules? Was it the same kind of? Um, did you have to do the same kind of rigorous practices? I, I, I want to say really quickly, I played, well, I was trying out for the Chicago Sky, so I was yeah. there for like all of two weeks. But as a pro athlete, no one's telling you what to do besides practice. Okay. So that was going to be the distinct difference because of the free time. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about, you know, LeBron James's and the Kobe Bryant's and why they have that edge is because they're working really hard when they don't have to be there. Yeah. Um, so that was a distinct difference because I'm in a country where I don't know anyone and I don't really know the language like that and I don't really have anyone to go hang out with, so I was in the gym, right? Yeah. So that was a distinct difference versus being in Chicago and, like, I could drive home mm-hmm. or, like, you know, go hang out with people because we're in, we're in Chicago. It's summertime. It's lit. So that was the distinct difference for me is being isolated and going to my refuge, which is basketball. So I'm just going to go to the gym. Did you like that feeling, or did you just miss home? Were you homesick? Yeah, I won't lie. A lot of my friends that have played overseas, they they know what that is. Um, some of the guys bring their like their girlfriends and stuff over there, and so they're not isolated. But I don't. I missed home, but I realized, you know, again, that I'm an adult, right? I'm learning, I'm making money. Um, you know, let me go out and travel. Let me see something. A flight to Paris is a hundred bucks. Let me go yeah. there. Right, it's crazy so, flights out there. Yeah, this it stuff's dirt cheap. America's kind of a ripoff. <laughs> but um yeah, that was it was it was it was fun. Um, you know, but the, the cons of it were the time difference, right? When it's eight mm-hmm. in the morning, it's time for my family to go to sleep or the food or not being able to say, Where's the bathroom? and you gotta pee, you yeah. know, stuff like that that you don't even think about. Yeah. That was kind of the trying times for me. But yeah, I mean, besides that it was a fun time. I was literally. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, he's playing with Star. Yeah, that's Gabe in there doing something. Shout out to Gabe as well. <laughs> Got us on there. Well, it, it's funny. We we do actually ask everybody who's come in that played overseas the food situations. So you, I mean, I when I went out to New Zealand and Australia, I told them I couldn't wait to come back to America because I missed the food that much, and I was only there for two and a half weeks, so I can't even imagine what it's like for you. You you adapt. It's a lot healthier. Like, yeah. their McDonald's doesn't taste like McDonald's here because it's not greasy and, like, cooked in, like, yeah. whatever ours is cooked in margarine. I couldn't um, do their McDonald's. Yeah. Nah. Um, Prague was very Americanized, so I didn't really miss the food because we had, like, those fast food spots. It tasted healthier. Mm. But, yeah, I miss food. I miss my mom's cooking. I miss, you know, home. I miss, you know, you get up in the morning and you smell breakfast and, like, you know, Thanksgivings and stuff like that. I wasn't able to come home for that, so I miss those, but... Um, food was kind of the last thing on my mind. I was just ready for, you know, to win something and get home for the summer so that I could, like, hang out and do stuff with, you know, friends and family and stuff. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. You saying something? Nope. 
Well, so what was it like uh, coming back and deciding, like, you know what, I'm done with the Houston? I, did you have a knee injury again at the I end? I did. I, I, it wasn't completely torn, but they – so what happened? One day I went to practice, and I felt it in my knee, and then oh. I – Went home, took a nap, and I woke up. My knee was swollen. I told you about the cabbage story. Yeah. Right? They put cabbage on my knee, which is basically like rub dirt on it. Kitty, you'll be fine. We <laughs> we pay you to play. Will you you know, it's swollen. That's knee swell. I'm like, nah, something's going on. Um, and you go into a, a hospital to get it checked out, and the lights are flickering. Yeah, free, you don't because, even want to be in there. Because healthcare is free there, right? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I had just got a an ACL repaired by a surgeon that works for the Milwaukee Bucks, so I'm yep. used to that kind of pedigree, of, right. pedigree of like medical attention versus being like, Nah, man, you're not about to open me up. Yeah, like, and I don't know I don't what you're saying you. either, yeah. right? And I'm with my translator, and she was like, He says he wants to look at your knee, okay? And he's like being all rough with it. I'm like, <laughs> So I had to make the decision of like, you know, do I stay there and rehab? Because I'm not gonna play it. I can't run right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Without it swelling, or come home. And it, ultimately, it was me coming home because I wasn't gonna be playing basketball. And I remember how miserable that was my freshman year when basketball was yeah. taken away from me. Now throw isolation then into that, and then not being able to go to the gym when I'm bored and turning on TV in the Jeffersons is is in check. I don't even understand what George is saying. Right? It's funny, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> imagine that, bro. Like Martin was in check. Whatever their language is, Czechoslovakia, and I'm like, what? But anyway, um, so I wanted to um have the Marquette doctors look at it, which they were so gracious enough to do. And I think that. they could give you some time. Yeah, you gave them, you gave them plenty of years. I think yeah. they owed you some facts. They did, but hey, um, you still got to be politically correct. Thank you. Shout out to Marquette. Um, but they it ended up being a, a meniscus tear. I thought it was my ACL. Oh, so that's, that's actually that's actually better, right? Yeah, that can so, heal on its own, really. Facts, it can. So that was. But God works in such mysterious ways. So they said, hey, it's meniscus. That's good. You can get back. And that's like three, four months. Right? Zion just had that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, and he's doing, I mean, he's just. Wow. Okay. He's scary. Um, right. Jumping out the gym. So that was a quick turnaround. So I was happy about that. But I ended up being like, okay, well, I'm not going to just sit around for three, four months. I'm going to. Yeah. You know what I mean? I went and started training at um, a place in Kenosha called Athletic Republic. And got back in the gym kind of doing some rehab stuff and I'm like well I don't want to just spend all my money I came home and I'm like I got money I'm at the Louis store I'm going to Chicago so I'm like I need to get a job got a job in the car business and the rest is history and so then you started out in Wisconsin though Mm -hmm. and then you got the opportunity to buy into a dealership up here yeah so the one in in Wisconsin is spoken for to say the least and that's where I started out kind of from the ground level started out in sales and that's just because I'm like I'm gonna be here for three months and I made so much money, right? Um, I was, and not even know. I don't. I still don't know a lot about cars. If you ask me the horse part of anything, I'm like a lot. Just go drive it, right? <laughs> yeah. The sheet that I'm selling that says right. that it's got this much. Right. <laughs> you, but you sell a sizzle, not the steak. But moreover, you sell yourself. Yeah. I can talk to anybody. I can talk to a doctor. I can talk to a kid our age. Yeah. I can talk to a hooper. I could talk to a janitorial worker, and that's what kind of makes you good at that job. So rose up the ranks and be, got into finance because of my degree. And then um, my mentor, like I said, who uh, ran that store, was like, hey, I got an opportunity. And if you want to, I know you want to go back and play basketball, but this is money for the rest of your life, not just for the time being. And me being, you know, at the age I was, I'm like, man, I did that. 
right? Mm-hmm. Do I want to go back? And I kind of thought about the food and the yeah. time difference and, you know, being isolated. And I'm like, why not? You know, yeah. why not? And it, it was a move again um, to Minnesota, but I, I mean, I'm getting a flight home, which is what, 45 minutes, Q? Luxury. <laughs> so nice to just hop on a quick flight. And they don't even serve water on those yeah, flights. They don't. That's you're how up fast and, they are. You're literally up and down. I flew into Milwaukee once, and I kid you not, it was like 22 minutes. Damn. I'll never do it again, but it was just, I was like, I, that was crazy. You're up, and then he's like, oh, welcome to Milwaukee. I'm like, okay, thank you. The time is now, and it's like, okay, that was a crazy flight. But anyway, um, Minneapolis was is has been um. How long really has it been cool. home? I moved here May. May, okay. So it's not even been a year yet, but my business is doing really well. Um, I'm learning at 26 years old how to do stocks and set myself yeah. up so that way in, you know, in five, ten years, I'm chilling. Oh, yeah. Instead of just now starting my life, which is what it would have been if I played hoops until yeah. 30 is what most women play, and then not ever having credit mm-hmm. or not ever having a place of my own or a car loan or anything like that. Um, I just remember, you know, seeing Coopers that come back and forth overseas and they've got kind of a suitcase life. They come back yeah. and live with their parents for a few months and they spend a bunch of money and then go back over there and then they're never really establishing themselves. And then when that time's up, they're at, you know, they're at a loss of like, okay, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, and what I did was just kind of skip to that next step. Yeah. And while basketball is still my first love and I'm getting back into it now, it's just... I, I wouldn't I would I would always do it this way. Sure. But are you getting that itch now that you've seen those contracts that they're giving out now? All of them are getting six yeah. figures. You're getting that baby leave. <laughs> I mean, they they take. I mean, they're making steps. I feel bad that it took as long as it did because yeah. they deserve to be paid. I mean, I don't know how to say this without sounding arrogant. I still probably make more than most of them, but that's still probably uh, it's the love, right? You want to do it. You want to be there. You want to you want to kind of be in the game and stuff like that. But it's. It's also too like you know my my body. I just did a workout this morning and I sat down in this chair and my, like I'm feeling the squat. So <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't even know if I got it in me anymore to play sixty games. You know, yeah. and put cabbage on my knee. Like they, they <laughs> <say>. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I am really glad though that they have made those changes. Do you want to talk sure. about the way it affects? It's it's when you're <laughs> when you watch the NBA draft, right? Mm-hmm. And you see a Zion Williamson or a John Morant. That's just the last draft that there was. So those guys click in my mind. You think to yourself, that kid just became a millionaire. Mm -hmm. I have to believe that most driving forces for people want to go to the NBA is because of the money. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not, I mean, love of basketball, but because you're a millionaire, right? You see, you see, you know what I mean? These guys driving and living in nice cars and they can buy their mom a house and they can do all that type of stuff. With women, take that away. Yeah. And just say, hey, you're playing for the love. And I know you could probably go be a teacher or, you know, an accountant and make the same money, but you're playing for the love without, you know, without the the perks of it. And I, I just think that the, the ladies deserve it. I think that they work really hard. I think that there are, they, they train as much. And they generate money. They generate money. They're having babies and then coming back yeah. and playing. Guys talk about playing injured. I think Skylar Diggins played her whole season pregnant or yeah. something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, so that stuff is just it's. I think it's it's been unfair. Um, B 
being a you know a basketball historian, I know how the bas- NBA arrived to where it is. It was the ABA, and then it became the NBA, mm-hmm. and then they weren't making. I mean, I'm sure Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Wilt Chamberlain weren't making that much money, right? But they were the yeah. forefathers. So it's unfortunate that we're in 2020 and we're still looking at the forefathers of the WNBA. So that's kind of I'm just excited for them, and they deserve it. And it's 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 been a long road coming, but it's only been 20 years, yeah. right? So 20 years into the NBA would have been 1970. Now think about what they got paid. Jordan didn't get paid his last year. He got paid thirty million dollars, but before that, he was getting paid like two point five. Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know what I mean? So contracts. Once you kind of divulge yourself and kind of educate yourself, while it's really unparalleled, women get paid way less. I think that with them being at twenty years into the WNBA, it's making the right. They're making steps in the right direction. I feel like a lot of NBA players need to step up more and, and be vocal about pushing for that. I, I, I think Kobe was a huge advocate, and I'm really sad that he's gone because mm-hmm. I think he saw what it should be like and, and really saw a vision. And, I mean, it, I think that was a baby step to get it closer, but I, I think with him around, mm-hmm. it would progress even quicker. You you have men that understand the game and respect women, and a lot yeah, of them do, but there's no hoopers. As, yeah, they're not as, like you said, vocal about it. And what I understand is that if it's not advantageous for you to speak up, if you don't have a young daughter, then maybe you probably don't care as much. And that's just the facts of right. life, right? Um, but you speak about someone like Kobe Bryant who's got Gigi who's, hey, I, Dad, I want to go to the yeah. WNBA, and you have the tools, you're going to do everything in your power to make sure that's not only an easy transition but beneficial, yeah. right? So, you know, if LeBron's daughter ends up wanting to play or anybody that, you know, their daughters are wanting to play, I think that they will become a lot more vocal. But unfortunately, like anything in life, it has nothing to do with you. You're kind of like, but those that are speaking up, I respect that. I tip my hat because I don't think that they have to, but they are willing to. Um, And then they want to see the game elevate. Because if women's basketball here elevates, basketball itself elevates. You're still selling jerseys and tickets and filling up that arena and doing all that type of stuff. So, and creating, um, you know, basketball awareness. So, I, I really, really commend Kobe um, for sure. And I think that to come, a lot more men in the league will start speaking up about it. Um, but now we're making the steps so that they don't have to, that women have you know, social media yeah. and the games are going to be televised so they can say it and they can be like, okay, and buy in. Well, it, hold on. So we have to wrap this up because we have some records coming in. Do you yeah. guys, are you going out to, are you eating after this? Uh yeah, you want to eat something? Is that what you're I mean, saying? Well, I'm saying, like, if you want to come back, and we can, then you can finish, like, the last portion you of it. You know what? I honestly up. only had one more question for. Okay, perfect. Then let's yeah, do that. Yeah, that was literally that. it. I was okay. literally just going to say, I know you got to get out of here, okay. but I want to say a cu- one last question before we perfect wrap it timing. up. That's perfect. literally what I was about perfect. to say when you cut Unless, me off. And sing. <laughs> so I wanted to get back into some of your hobbies, too, because I, I found out you really like to dance. You like art. You like to read, and you even write poetry. Um, where were you guys digging at? Where are you on I was all over Google. What the heck? All over Google. How do you know that? I just met you two hours ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I, I think that like being uh, well-rounded is cool. I think it's dope. I yeah. think being a dumb jock is played out, right? Mm-hmm. So dancing, that's just, you know, natural. Kids go to school and socials and the woe is everything. TikTok is taking over because kids yeah. are dancing, right? So yeah, that's always growing up. Some like that I like to do, but God, imagine if we shout had out that to the renegade, kids. right? Right, that shout out to the renegade. I still I haven't got that one down, but like whoa, I can kill that. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, like reading and poetry, that stemmed a lot from my dad um, and my parents. Just my dad would read the paper every day, so yeah. I became started reading it and really the comics starting out and then the sports page and then um, just becoming more aware. And, and poetry is really, really cool because um, it's a way to express yourself and you can kind of be like not an athlete in that yeah. form, right? When people go up and read, it's really cool to kind of see them be themselves without having to be cool and be like whatever. Like I, I dig when people are just themselves, you know, and not, you know, fluffed up or whatever, which sometimes the game causes you to be because you're supposed to be this cool person. But yeah. Um, yeah, I do like those. I don't know where you got that stuff from, but yeah. What poet yeah. really hit for you? Say it again? What poet really hit for you? Who who really touched uh, you? Maya Angelou is phenomenal. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I love her. She's she's She represents what I want to represent, which is progressive, which is um, black women, black people, um, you know, rising into their greatness, right? Um, Langston Hughes is another one. Um, I kind of got into that, like, early age poetry because it represented the struggle and then being able to, you know, realize that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my grandmother's grandmother's grandmother was a slave, and now look at me, I own a car dealership, yeah. right? Those dreams being realized is something that probably a poet wrote about, and then now uh, we're sitting here talking about it, so really cool. That's awesome. I really appreciate you coming out here and giving us your time. Thank I know you're you, busy. guys. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you, For Katie. sure. I'm going to hoop you guys up tomorrow at 9 a.m. <laughs> they didn't want to put that telling nobody about where <laughs> it's at. It's all confidential. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to put that on the podcast, go. right? <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, thanks again. Guys. Thank you. All right.